Welcome to worship at Providence Presbyterian Church on this Sunday, May 3rd, 2020. We are located at 2401 Broad Avenue in Altoona. The Pacifico family, who live on 2506 Maple Avenue, suffered a house fire last Monday. This is only a couple of blocks away from the church. The fire claimed the life of their seven-year-old son. We would like to show our respect for the family by sending them a special offering from our church. If you would like to participate in this effort, please mail your special offering to the church. Please mark it Pacifico Fire. Thank you. Prayer requests this week include John Bowser, who has lung cancer. Charlie Long, who had a foot and partial leg amputation. Dr. Reverend Robert Fisher, who is recovering from heart surgery on April 29th. Ron, who is on a respirator. He has autoimmune disease that affected his blood. And Diana George is recovering from gallbladder surgery. Once again, we thank those of you who are financially able to mail your offerings to the church at this time. It truly is a blessing in enabling us to keep current in paying church expenses. Also, anyone who has any kind of need, groceries, financial help, or otherwise, please contact the church office and we will see what we can do to help meet your needs. Now, let us prepare our hearts for worship as we listen to the prelude.
Let us pray. All glorious God, we give you thanks in your Son, Jesus Christ. We have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. You chose us before the world was made to be your holy people without fault in your sight. You adopted us as your children in Christ. You have set us free by his blood. You have forgiven our sins. You have made known to us your secret purpose to bring heaven and earth into unity in Christ. You have given us your Holy Spirit, the seal and pledge of our inheritance. All praise and glory be yours, O God, for the riches of your grace, for the splendor of your gifts, for the wonder of your love. Amen. Our scripture lesson today is taken from the book of Acts, the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 24. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Festival of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him into prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. The night before Herod was to bring him out to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. The chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. 
Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that the angel was doing what was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people were gathered together and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. So Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended upon the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on the throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a god, not a man! Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by the worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourished. Here ends our reading from God's word. And may he bless it to our hearts and our lives. Amen. Today, a large group of us pastors in the Altoona area are beginning a joint six-week sermon series uh, with each of us preaching on the same topic based on the same passage of Scripture for the next six weeks starting today. Today's topic has to do with stronger together prayer. We're living in a time of social distancing, of being locked in, but wherever we go, we hear messages of being together. And we need to remember that we as Christians, as the church, are stronger together. And that's going to be the theme for the next six weeks, stronger together together. And as I said, today's first sermon in this series is Stronger Together Prayer. The most dramatic New Testament story concerning prayer being prayer together is recorded for us in the 12th chapter of Acts. The early church prayed together in one accord 
with one mind, they made their request known to God, the only one who not only heard, but was able to do what they could not do. And when they prayed together, he heard. And sometimes he did the impossible. We read here about King Herod. This is not King Herod the Great who killed the babies when Jesus was born. Neither is it Herod Antipas who was alive when Jesus was here on earth. No, this is Herod Antipas's nephew, the grandson of Herod the Great, Herod Agrippa I. And history records that Herod Agrippa I was not that bad of a man, but he was a people pleaser. And so he tried to please the Romans when he, for he had grown up in Rome, but he also tried to please the Jewish authorities. And one way he sought to please the Jewish authorities, the Sanhedrin, was to persecute Christians. And so he began troubling the church, and he had James, the brother of John, one of the original 12 disciples, arrested and had him put to death, probably by beheading. And then he proceeded, when he saw that pleased the Jewish authorities, he proceeded to arrest Peter. But this was during the festival of unleavened bread, and so it was inconvenient to bring Peter to trial right then, so he held him in prison until the festival was over. Now, behind people like Herod, any of the Herods, and any evil leader throughout history, is the devil, Satan. And this enemy of the people of God's single purpose in every age is to silence the voice of the gospel. But God's mighty answer has always been the working of power through prayer. And as we read this account in Acts 12, we learn the principles that determine victory over every attempt to Satan to defeat the redemptive purposes of God. Now, this story in Acts chapter 12, and in some ways, I mean, it's a very serious story, but in some ways, it's a very humorous story. We read that, you know, Herod had James put to death. He had Peter arrested. He intended for Peter to be put on trial, but it was a sort of a mock trial like they had done for Jesus. Uh, Herod already had it in his mind to put Peter to death. But while this is happening, the church had gathered together and were praying. Now, we don't know what happened when James was beheaded. Did the church not pray then? Did the church pray half-heartedly? Had it happened so quickly that uh, they didn't even have a chance to pray? Or had God not answered their prayer for the saving of James? I mean, God doesn't all, God always answers prayer, but sometimes he doesn't answer prayer exactly like we would like him to answer prayer. So we really don't know exactly what was happening here. But when Peter was arrested, it says that the church came together to pray. And they gathered in the home of Mary. We think perhaps Mary was the person who had provided the upper room where Jesus had met with his disciples. 
All we know for sure is that Mary was the mother of John Mark, who became the traveling companion of Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey, and later on would write the gospel, which we call the Gospel of Mark. And apparently she was a fairly wealthy woman, had a large home in which she could have a, a large crowd gathered together to pray. So they were there together praying in her house. And it says that they weren't just praying lackadaisically, hit and miss. They were praying earnestly. Now, the word earnestly means sincerely and intensely. In fact, literally in the Greek here, when you read this, this verse in Greek, Roman, I mean, Acts 12, 5, it says that they were praying without ceasing. Without ceasing means to pray seriously. We read, you know, pray without ceasing. Well, that doesn't mean we pray 24, you know, 60 minutes every hour, 24 hours a day, but it means we, re, we pray repeatedly, persistently, with earnestness and sincerity. So that's how they were praying for Peter. And it says that on that final night, before he was to be brought out and, uh, for a trial and execution, it says that he there he is, he's in the prison, he's got a guard on his left, he's got a guard on his right, he's, a, he's fastened by chains to these two guards, beyond them there are two other guards guarding the doors out into the street, and here he is, he's sound asleep. You know, I wonder if Peter remembered that, that day, that night, when he and the other disciples were in the boat with Jesus, and they were crossing the Sea of Galilee, and a storm came up, and they were afraid that they were going to drown, and there's Jesus, he's asleep in the bottom of the boat wonder if that kind of thinking was in Peter's mind that every you know he didn't know for sure what was going to happen he didn't know if God was going to miraculously release him or whether or not he was going to be beheaded but he knew if he was beheaded he'd go to be with the Lord so you know on, on a night like that I doubt I would have been able to sleep but there he is he's asleep he's a sound asleep he's so sound asleep the angel can just gently say, Peter, Peter. The angel can't just gently sh you know, shake his shoulder. I mean, it says the angel practically had to kick him on the side to get him to wake up. And even then, he didn't wake up all the way. He was sort of in a groggy half-sleep. The angel says to him, you know, Peter, you know, and the chains fall off him. And the angel says, Peter, you know, Put all the rest of your clothes on. Put your cloak on you. Put your sandals on your feet. Follow me. Now, one thing to note here. God, when he, God works a miracle, he does what only God can do. Through, God, through the angel, caused the chains to fall off of Peter's arms and legs. God caused the guards to remain asleep. God caused the doors to where they were to open, that they could walk out in the street. 
Only God could do those things. But the angel didn't wrap the clothes around Peter for him. The angel didn't put the sandals on Peter's feet. When we pray for God to do something, we got to remember there are things that we can do to help in achieving the answer. There, but there's only but there's another part that only God can do. But God's not going to do our part. We have to do our part and then trust God to do what only God can do. So it says they, you know, went out through the doors and into the street, and they walked for about a block together, and at that point, the angel vanishes. And I don't know if it's the the cold, chilly morning air or whatever, as suddenly Peter is wide awake, and he realizes that he had not been dreaming, he had not seen a vision, but what he had, what had happened had really happened. There he was, set free, miraculously, set free out in the street. He said, well, gee whiz, I better go and take cover before they find me here. And so he goes to Mary's house. He must have known that was a place where you would find the church gathered. So he goes to Mary's, Mary's place, and apparently beyond the house itself, there was a courtyard with a wall around it and a door and he stands there and he's knocking. And I don't think he's knocking super loudly, but he's knocking so somebody would hear and let him in off the street before he got caught. So they're inside, they're praying. And they're, oh God, please, uh, you know how much we need Peter. Please uh, release him from his captivity. Restore him to us some way. They hear the knocking. And there's a servant girl by the name of Rhoda. Sarona, please go get the door. So then here comes, you know, here comes the next humorous part. Here is Peter thought he was sleeping. Here goes Rhoda. She goes to the door and she says, apparently she says, who's there? Peter responds, it's me, Peter. And she recognized his voice because he had been many times, I'm sure, at Mary's place. She gets so excited. She turns around and runs into where they're praying, but doesn't open the door and doesn't let Peter in. It's Peter at the door. She tells everybody, it's Peter at the door. It's Peter at the door. You know, they're probably a little irritated for her interrupting their praying. They said, you know, oh God, please, please release Peter. Well, Peter's at the door, you know. You're imagining things, Rhoda. Oh, God, please, please release Peter. But he's at the door. Oh, you must be seeing some vision of something. Well, it's not really Peter himself. It's it's some vision from God, like a ghost. But it's Peter at the door. Finally, I don't know if it's because Rhoda keeps insistently saying it's Peter at the door or Peter's at the door and he... he He's scared he's going to get caught, but he's knocking harder and harder to get them let him in. Finally, they go and open their door, and there to their astonishment, it's Peter. God has answered their prayers. He's been miraculously set free. And he comes inside, and you know, they're all a fluster, and they're all talking all at once, and Peter says, shh, quiet down. He tells them what had happened. And then he says, tell James, and now this is not James who had been beheaded, 
this is not James, the brother of John, but this is James, the half-brother of Jesus, who later became a, a major leader in the Jerusalem church. Just tell James and the others what's happened. And then it says he goes off somewhere else to be to hide because he knows that the, that the uh, Jewish authorities and the Romans might come looking for him to at Mary's house. So that's you know that's kind of funny. You know, there is you know there he is at the door. God has answered their prayer. You know it says they're praying earnestly. They're praying sincerely. But at least some extent. They didn't really believe God would answer their prayers. But the interesting thing is if we're obedient to God, if we will pray earnestly, if we will pray persistently, if we will pray uh, just as God would want us to pray. The one book I have is called The Valley of Vision, and it's prayers by uh, Puritans. And I love the one part of this one prayer. It says, when we pray, we pray irreverently, and we pray and we our prayers coldly withheld. So you know, God does not want us to pray irreverently and with aloofness or half-heartedness. But they were praying sincerely; they weren't really convinced that God would answer their prayer. But because they were obedient and they prayed, God answered their prayer. Nevertheless, Peter was released. And a miracle had happened. And the Satan had been thwarted. And it says that, you know, Herod, he tried to stop the church. He's tried to put Peter to death as he put James to death. It says in a short while later, he's speaking to a group of people from Tyre and Sidon. And they try to butter him up by saying he's a god. And he doesn't give glory to God. He said, oh no, I'm just a man. God is God. Because he didn't, God struck him down and he died. And so the one who was an instrument of Satan died. But meanwhile, Peter lived on and the voice of the church lived on. So you're saying, okay, what does that have to do with my life today? Well, first off, we're living in a time of the coronavirus, COVID-19. And there's lots of things going on here, but I think one of the things is Satan's trying to use this to, uh, you know, shut down the church. The churches are closed because we can't come together because of the coronavirus. But instead of stopping the church, if anything, the church is becoming more powerful in that there are more and more audio and video services of the church and more and more people are hearing the voice of God. And God's people are beginning to pray more and more. But what God would have us to do is not just pray more individually. He wants us to pray more together. We're stronger together as we pray together. Pray with sincerity. Pray with earnestness. Pray with persistence without ceasing. But you say, well, how can we pray that way when we're not allowed to meet together? Well, the day will come when we can meet face to face and we can gather together then to pray together. But even in this in-between time, we can get together over the telephone and pray, either with an individual person or a conference call 
We can do this on Skype. We can do this on Zoom. We can do this on Facebook. A number of different platforms where we can, in this, you know, God has given us this electronic age, not for Satan to use it, but he's given it to his people, the church, to give us opportunities to come together and meet together and to pray together. Send forth his word. As we pray together, God will start doing things that only God can do as we trust him. And, and he will bring his glory through the church in this world that many lives would be run for the kingdom. To him will be the glory. Amen. Now let us prepare our hearts for prayer. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ for the means of grace, and for the hope of glory. And we pray that you would give us such an awareness of your mercies that we are truly thankful in our hearts, that we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but with our lives, giving up ourselves to your service by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. And Father, we would not forget to pray for those who have special needs. We lift up John Bowser. We lift up Charlie Long. We lift up Dr. Reverend Robert Fisher. We lift up Ron. We lift up Diana George as she recovers from her surgery. And we lift up others whom the people gathered together listening to this podcast remember in their hearts. Lord, do what you alone can do. Bring healing and wholeness. Give hope to those who are discouraged. Uh, lift those out of depression, Lord. Give them peace and joy. And Father, we pray for those who have lost family to this COVID virus. We pray that you offer them grace. And Father, we pray 
for the Pacifico family from our neighborhood who lost their youngest child, their son, in this fire. Grant them the peace that you alone can provide them. We thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. We join in that prayer that he gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. bless you for all your many gifts to us. We return these gifts as a token of our gratitude, longing for the conviction of strength to offer our whole lives to your service. Amen.
Now go forth, remembering who you are and to whom you belong. May our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came with grace and truth, also fill your hearts with grace and truth as you serve him in the days ahead. And may the joy of the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be your strength. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope you have been blessed and God has been glorified. May you have a God-blessed week. We look forward to you joining us again next Sunday and invite your friends to listen.